Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for the last day of January 2018. Eight game slate, a little small for Wednesday because we had a bigger slate for Tuesday. Uh, probably the highest scoring basketball slate that I've ever seen, and that's despite one of the highest owned players on the slate taking a zero because Eric Gordon got hurt in the first quarter. So that's a pretty crazy slate right now. It looks like it's going to be like 450 points to win a GPP or something like that tonight. But Tomorrow uh, is going to be lower scoring. I think that's a fair guess, Matt. Yeah, I think that's a fair guess, although we we really don't know what's going to happen. But uh, just looking at it right now, there aren't expensive players in really good spots like we had for Tuesday night, even without the Andre Drummond situation, and even without Eric Gordon getting hurt and giving James Harden all those extra points. I think the score still would have been really high, and we, we don't have nearly as much value on this slate. So... The first game we have to talk about here should be a high-scoring game, but it's uh, going to be a hard one for one team to pick out players. The Lakers at the Magic. I would assume that this is probably going to have the highest over/under on the slate. Um, there are a few games that don't have Vegas lines yet, and I guess this is one of them because we don't know the status of Aaron Gordon yet. But uh, there isn't a game with more than a two fourteen total. So yeah, it'll, it'll be this one for sure. So we always have this issue with the Lakers where we just don't really know who's going to play minutes for them. Uh, I think Brandon Ingram at 6,300 is probably the safest bet for minutes, so I think that he's a good play. Uh, maybe, let's see, what have Contavious call up Pope's minutes been like lately? He's at 5,300 and minutes lately he played 34 minutes last game and then 24 and 24 coming back from injury so I think probably the two safest plays from the Lakers are Brandon Ingram and Contavious Caldwell Pope with Julius Randle making sense as kind of like a high upside GPP play but a very low floor also because sometimes he'll just only play like 18 or 20 minutes uh, but if you look at his per minute production this year it's pretty ridiculous so last couple games uh, he played 24 minutes, scored 38 fantasy points in the game before, 28 minutes, 28 fantasy points. So if he does fall into 30-plus minutes in this matchup, there's probably a good chance that we see a really big game from Julius Randle. So I think he's fine as a GPP play. From the Magic side of the game, it just a lot hinges on the availability of Aaron Gordon. I think if he's in, he's a decent play at 7,900. If he's out... Uh, Mario Zoni at 4,800. I think that he would be a good play again. Um, Alfred Payton would be a better play. He is a used trading about 25% with Gordon and Vucevic off the floor. Evan Fournier would be a better play. Jonathan Simmons would be a better play. We're just kind of waiting to find out if Aaron Gordon's in or out. And it's the first game this late, so we should know before the game starts. So I'm sort of with you on the Lakers side. I think I'd be more inclined to use them if Gordon is out because then the game becomes a stronger stack spot. And I think Alfred Payton could be pretty low-owned because he didn't play a ton of minutes on Tuesday night. Uh, they went with Shelvin Mack and DJ Augustine Moore. I guess they were just playing well and Payton wasn't having a good game. Um, he only ended up playing 17 and a half minutes in Houston. And he only played 29 minutes the game before. But I still think that there's a lot of upside for him. His price has come down a little bit. So people might be off of Payton, but... He has a ton of scoring potential. Maybe the floor is lower because it does seem like there are games where the Magic just use different guards and Peyton doesn't play as much. But it's an easy matchup against the Lakers, so I'm not overly concerned. 
Uh, and actually, the price is sort of the same at 6800 but that's still, I think, just a little bit too cheap. Peyton's been someone who I think has been generally underpriced all year. We've been we've been on him, I think, more days than not when the Magic are playing. So I'm, I'm fine with him. Yeah, Hazonia becomes the strongest play from Orlando if Gordon's out. And I think you can kind of use anyone from Orlando if Gordon is out. Because um, they, they have a lot of... Well, they have a lot of guards, so I wouldn't use the backup guards, so to say. But... Um, the ones that are either wing players or forwards, I think, are more usable, like Fournier and Simmons. Uh, maybe some more minutes security for Biombo. Maybe Kem Birch. Uh, Maurice Spates put, played a lot against the Rockets. I don't know if I'm comfortable with him. But this becomes a really stackable game with Gordon out, and I think it's still a decent game even if he's in. Yeah, I think uh, – and I would use Aaron Gordon if he is playing, assuming he doesn't have a minutes restriction. Uh, I would think just because where the Magic are in the standings, where they don't have anything to play for, if Aaron Gordon plays, he probably won't have a minutes restriction because that means that he's 100%. And if he's not 100%, even if he's like 95%, they'd probably sit him because I don't think it would make any sense to play him at this point in the season then. Uh, next game on the slate is the Memphis Grizzlies, the Indiana Pacers. The Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks, Mario Chalmers, Deontay Davis, and Ben Mappamore all questionable to play. Jamichael Green is out. Obviously, Mike Conley is out for the season. So, uh, hard to know who's in play for the for the Grizzlies. Uh, I think. Let's see. What? Did, how many minutes did Tyreek Evans play last game? He came off the bench, but I still think he played plenty of minutes, even though they also kind of had a blowout win. Well, he was in until the end of the game. He only ended up playing twenty six minutes. He came out, he actually, he hurt his wrist at the end of the game and came out with like a minute left. But for the most part, he played the entire game. I would be very concerned about using him if he comes off the bench again, since he only played 26 minutes last game. Uh, Marcus Soule's minutes also weren't particularly high. He didn't play the entire fourth quarter. That was due to the blowout. So I think if Tyreek Evans starts, he's an okay play. I'm not going to use him if he comes off the bench. And then Jarrell Martin probably figures to be a decent play at 4,900. He played, let's see, how many minutes did he play last game? He played 34 and a half minutes last game without Jamichael Green. He's pretty regularly been playing over 30 minutes as a starter and scoring, let's see, 27, 25, 27 fantasy points during his last three starts. So I think Jarrell Martin's a good value play at, at uh, 4,900. Also has a plus matchup against the Pacers. From the Pacers' side of the game, uh, Miles Turner is going to be starting at center with Demonis Sabonis going back to the bench. The issue with Turner is this is a really tough matchup. So at 6,100, I don't really want to play him. And then still also, uh, Victor Oladipo has been really good. He's pressed all the way up to 9,300. So to me, the Pacers' side of the game is a fairly easy fade. Are you sure you want to call this a plus matchup for the Grizzlies? Because I know the Pacers' defensive stats aren't great. But with Miles Turner back... It's it's a better defense. Uh, the total for this game is only two hundred four. That's because of the that's because of the pace of the Grizzlies, though. Yeah, but the the Grizzlies' average total is somewhere in that neighborhood. I think that you if if it was a pace up game, then the total would be higher than what the Grizzlies normally see. The over unders for their games are usually in the low two hundreds. This is about the same, but it also they're on the road in Indiana. I think it's a really tough matchup for Tyreek Evans, at least specifically because he's facing Victor Oladipo in a road game. So I don't think I would use him, and I think Marcus Gasol has gotten too expensive. Um, Jarrell Martin might be matchup-proof anyway, just because he doesn't generate most of his scoring from points. 
He does a bunch of different things, a lot of defensive stats. So whether or not you want to call it a plus matchup or not, I do agree with you on Jarrell Martin. And I think that if we get enough Grizzlies injury news, then there could be some other guys worth using like Wayne Selden or maybe not Andrew Harrison, but Ivan Rabb, if Deontay Davis is out, I think would have more minute security and some upside. But I, I don't really love the spot for the Grizzlies. I definitely don't like the spot for the Pacers. They have some crowded minutes with Turner back. And yeah, like you said, uh, with the pace that Memphis plays at and the defense of Marcus Soul, it's it's really hard to use any Indiana guys. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't uh, love the spot for the Grizzlies. I think it's okay. And actually, the, the Pacers are right in the middle of the league in defensive efficiency and pace. So I, it's it's a very mediocre matchup for the Grizzlies. And it is a road uh, game, too, so you might have to knock them down a little bit even after that, and then maybe even a bit further of a bump because Miles Turner's back, so maybe there's a little bit of blowout risk. The Grizzlies are definitely a bad team. I mean, with Tyreek Evans there, it's not a huge concern of a blowout. They're seven-point underdogs, but I would say that it's it's a reasonably likely scenario that they – play very poorly here and with Turner back I think the pace could be a little bit slower um so I'd use Martin anyway in spite of all that especially if there are guys hurt because I think he's too cheap and I think he can get fantasy points in a variety of ways uh yeah I think there's nobody who's like a great value on the Grizzlies I think Jerome Martin is the preferred play there the next game on the slate is the Philadelphia 76ers at the Brooklyn Nets Joel Embiid is coming off being rested last game, so he should be good to go. Play plenty of minutes in this one. 10,400. Great guy to pay up for. The Nets are, let's see, they're towards the, they're either last or, yeah, they're last in the league against centers. Actually, that is the most favorable matchup that any player could have is a center going up against the Nets. Joel Embiid is also really good. He was rested last game. I love this spot for him. The other thing also is the Nets are starting to play Jaleel Okafor more minutes. So if there's any way that you can make the team with the worst defense against centers in the league worse, it's playing more of Jaleel Okafor. So I, this is my favorite player to pay up for on the slate is going to be Embiid, probably by a decent amount, unless something really crazy happens. And before you get to the rest of the players in the game, before you get to the rest of the players in the game, do you think that Jaleel Okafor has more minute security for this game because of his history being drafted by the Sixers and maybe the Nets just want to play him against Philly because of that? Um, well, the reason I think that he has some minutes security is because his minutes are trending upward. He played 25 minutes tonight. He played 24 minutes in the Nets last game. There's still, some, let me see, how many minutes did Jared Allen play? Jared Allen started, but only played 20 minutes. So I, I think it looks like Tyler Zeller's just kind of out of the rotation, and it's just Julio Okafor and Jared Allen, Jared Allen playing all the center minutes for the Nets. So I think both of them are okay plays. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is a good play. He had a really bad game against the Knicks tonight, except he should play more minutes tomorrow because D'Angelo Russell is going to be rested. I was also a little bit of a blowout, so... Only 25 minutes for Dinwiddie. He still scored 25 points in 25 minutes, so decent per-minute production. Just the minutes were down because of the blowout. But no D'Angelo Russell tomorrow with being the tail end of a back-to-back. Karis LeVert, questionable to play with the groin injury. So I I think that Dinwiddie's a good play, and then he'd be a really good play if LeVert can't go. 
Yeah, Dinwiddie's a strong play regardless. He could be the best value of any player on the slate if Levert is out because the Nets just won't have anyone else in the backcourt. I mean, we're looking at big minutes for maybe Nick Stauskas and Joe Harris alongside Dinwiddie if Levert isn't playing with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson already out. So the Nets are pretty shorthanded. Oh, and uh, with D'Angelo Russell already out on the rest for the second game of the back-to-back. So it's Dinwiddie and Embiid. I definitely agree with you on those guys. Um, But I think those other cheaper Nets guys would be definitely worth considering if Levert's out, like Stauskas. Uh, I guess I don't really care about a revenge narrative for Nick Stauskas against the Sixers, but um, just too cheap for him with the minutes he'd probably be playing at 3,800. And then Joe Harris at 4,400. He's someone we like to target a lot when the Nets are shorthanded, and this could be one of those situations if Levert isn't playing. Um, So this is a game that definitely has some injury potential values to monitor with with Carrots Levert's questionable status. Uh, so let's see, what do we have next? The Charlotte Hornets at the Atlanta Hawks. Well, speaking of revenge narratives, the last time the Hornets played the Hawks, Dwight Howard said that he wanted to kill the Hawks. And what was his final stat line in that game? I think he did well despite foul trouble. I think uh, it was kind of what you'd expect from someone who's trying way too hard. He had six blocks and he had five fouls. Let me just double check that. Seven, seven blocks and rebounds and seven blocks. It was 18 points, 15 rebounds, 7 blocks. Yeah, and 5 fouls. So he was definitely aggressive. That's a very aggressive stat line. But it's also just not abnormal for Dwight Howard. He's put up a lot of stat lines like that recently. He's had at least... Well, he just had a streak end of 15-plus rebounds in 7, 8 straight games before he only had 11 rebounds last game. Um, He's been ridiculous rebounding the ball. He's been scoring. He's been blocking a ton of shots. Uh, he's gotten expensive, though. So if if we're talking Howard versus Embiid, it's definitely Embiid. And I think Howard could be higher-owned because of the revenge narrative. Um, there's no reason why you can't roster both of them on DraftKings, though. So I think we probably agree that Embiid is the better play for his price, but Howard is a good play, too. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's where I stand. I definitely I prefer Embiid. I think Howard is in play. 9400 is the most expensive that he's been all season, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, by a decent amount. Except, still, he scored at least 40 fantasy points now in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 games. So that's a really high floor for his price. He's just he's playing a lot of minutes right now, and he's playing really well. So I'm fine with Dwight Howard. The other thing uh, with Howard is that uh, Marvin Williams is out. So with Frank Kaminsky starting... The Hornets don't really have a bench big man to go to. I think Howard will play as many minutes as he can handle unless he's in foul trouble. And it's pretty easy to stay out of foul trouble against the Atlanta front court, who just kind of plays on the perimeter most of the time. Yeah, like he's uh, So Dwight Howard is pretty aggressive, and he, he did get in foul trouble against them last game. Except for the most part, like Miles Plumlee isn't getting anybody in foul trouble because he didn't do anything. Yeah, and Dwayne so, Dedman shoots a lot of threes and mid-range jumpers, so he's not getting you in too much foul trouble either. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with Dwight Howard. Uh, I think there's some value on Frank Kaminsky and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist because they both probably have to play more minutes to make up for the loss of Marvin Williams. From the Hawks' side of the game, uh, this is somewhat of a difficult matchup just because of how well Dwight Howard's been playing recently. The, the minutes for the Hawks, we've said this a bunch of times recently, they're really difficult to figure out. They play all different guys, all different kinds of minutes. Ursan Sova's minutes have been trending up 
recently, they've been playing less of Torian Prince and then less of uh, Deadman and Collins in favor of Samilia Sova. I don't know if that's going to stick or not. I think I'm fine with playing Schroeder, but I'm not really comfortable with anybody else on the Hawks for an eight-game slate. Yeah, I'm probably going to be off the Hawks entirely. Um, I don't think it's a terrible spot for them. It's just the minutes are spread around so much. Uh, I was more on Schroeder last game because it was a shorter slate. He had a little bit better of a matchup. I think he'd be an okay play, but Torian Prince was terrible last game. He's had a lot of duds recently, and he's actually been priced up anyway. Kent Bazemore has been priced up. Urson um, could be a decent flyer, but I think there probably are just better guys in his price range to use. So maybe he's someone to have a little bit of exposure to. I think Ilyasova um, can do enough in in terms of per minute production. Uh, maybe not every game, but because he shoots a lot of threes, there's a lot of upside for him if he has a good shooting game. And maybe being guarded by Frank Kaminsky is a lot better for him than being guarded by Marvin Williams. So I don't know. Maybe him and Schroeder, but I, I don't really like the Hawks side either. Uh, and then last thing on Frank Kaminsky, he could be a good hedge off of Dwight Howard. So I'd be more inclined to use Kaminsky in lineups that don't have Howard. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to get rebounds when Howard's on the court because Howard is such a good rebounder and there just won't be too many others to go around. But if Howard's in foul trouble, then Frank Kaminsky has to play basically the whole game. They don't have anyone else to play. So I think if you're not using Howard, it would make sense to have Frank Kaminsky in other lineups. Um, I don't really think I'd want to use them together, though it's not it's not the worst strategy because they will be on the court together a decent amount. But I think for the most part, I'm going to be one or the other with lineup construction. Okay, next game here, the Miami Heat at the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs' defense is so ridiculously awful right now. They gave up 125 points to a Pistons team that was starting Anthony Tolliver, Stanley Johnson, Reggie Bullock, and then Ish Smith and Andre Drummond. And this is a back-to-back for the Cavs. I, it's kind of hard to figure out who it is that's going to do the scoring for the Heat because they've also had kind of spread around production minutes. But I find it hard to believe that there aren't going to be a couple of good plays from the Heat. I'm kind of inclined to lean towards Goran Dragic because his price has gone down a little bit and James Johnson at 5500 because he is still starting for them. And his minutes have been decently recently, 29, 29, 32, 29 minutes. So I think those are my two favorite plays for the price. I definitely don't want to roster Hassan Whiteside at 8,600. He was really good last game. But even though he scored 48 fantasy points, he only played 26 minutes. So if he's only going to play 26 minutes, I don't want to roster him at 8,600. From the Cleveland side of the game, let's see, what is LeBron priced at now? LeBron is at 11,100. I would much prefer to play Joel Embiid if I'm paying up than LeBron in this matchup. Uh, Tristan Thompson, 4,000, I think is a decent play. Oh, the other thing of significance is Kevin Love broke his hand tonight, so he's out for six to eight weeks, so it might be out for the rest of the regular season. That's going to mean a lot more usage for LeBron and Isaiah Thomas. Um, so I still prefer Embiid, but I think LeBron is in play. And then I think Isaiah Thompson, Tristan Thompson are stronger plays with Kevin Love out. Well, one thing that matters a lot for, with Kevin Love for both sides of the game is that Kevin Love is a really offense oriented player on both sides of the ball. So a game that doesn't have Kevin Love in it will be lower scoring for both teams. He helps the Cavs offensively a lot, but he also hurts them defensively. 
not just because he's a below average defender, but also because they're playing slower players, um, more defensive oriented players without him. So if Tristan Thompson's on the court instead of Love, then well, Tristan Thompson was already starting next to Love, though. Well, he probably plays more minutes, though. I mean, it, it's not a huge change in Tristan Thompson, but I think the player that it matters a little more for is Jay Crowder, who should play more minutes of power forward. Um, but either way, Kevin Love not being there, I think, hurts the pace of the game. And it's kind of a reach to use anyone on the Heat anyway. I think I could see Drogic making sense, but Whiteside's too expensive. And I also think the ownership here could be pretty high after how well Detroit played against the Cavs last game. And this is the second game of a back-to-back for Cleveland. So the Heat guys could be pretty chalky. Whiteside's coming off a huge game, so I'm not going near him. Um, but I'm a little concerned about Thompson's matchup against Whiteside. Uh, we've we've talked about Whiteside before where he's a good defender at the rim, but a bad defender on the perimeter. And Tristan Thompson should theoretically be someone that's easy for him to guard. So there's price value on Thompson. I think he's worth using, but I might be a little lower on him than... I otherwise would be because of the matchup. And then it's not a great spot for the Cavs overall because they're facing the heat, but it is a usage bump for LeBron and for Isaiah Thomas. Um, the issue with LeBron, yeah, Embiid is probably a better play. I think I'd rather use Dwight Howard. So I don't know, maybe some exposure to LeBron makes sense because of the usage bump, but I don't think I'll have a ton of LeBron. And I think kind of the same thing for Isaiah Thomas. I think bad matchup, but increased usage. So there's some value there, but I won't have too much of him. Yeah, for me, it's just also, though, Isaiah Thomas is so cheap. I mean, I know I said this coming into today also that he just isn't playing all that well. But still today, he scored 28 fantasy points and only hit 30% of his shots. That's not really an awful result for somebody who's priced below 6000 And we know that there's so much more upside there. So I do think there's a lot of value on Isaiah Thomas, even in a tough matchup. Well, I definitely won't be using LeBron and Thomas together because they do take away possessions from each other, and I don't think this is a good stack game. Um, so maybe having, let's say, 20 or so percent LeBron, and I'm not saying I'll have that little of Thomas. I think even 30, 40, 50 percent of Thomas is kind of where I'll be. It sounds like you're a little higher on him than that. Um, but if value opens up with, let's say, Aaron Gordon being out or other injury situations, I'm okay not using that much Isaiah Thomas. I think he's a solid play, though. Just I, I think there are better choices. Okay, next game here is the Knicks at the Celtics. Tail end of a back-to-back for the Knicks playing in Boston. I think there's a decent amount of blowout risk here. I'm off the Knicks side of the game. The Celtics are the best defense in the league. From the Celtics side of the game, I'm also off them. Kyrie Irving priced all the way up to 9000 now. Just there's blowout risk. The production tends to be really spread out on Boston. Like, even though Kyrie has been ridiculous the last couple games in terms of, like, actual basketball performances and scoring, he still scored 48 and 41 DraftKings fantasy points in those last two games, and now he's priced at 9000 with a game with where there's some blowout risk. So I, I don't really like either side of this game. Yeah, I think Porzingis is still a little cheap, but it's not a good matchup, and there is the blowout risk, so probably fine with just fading the game. I think Jason Tatum could be pretty popular uh, after how good he was last game against the Nuggets. But there, there's a lot of fair or even overpriced players that just, it just makes this game really hard to use, even if you could get some lower-owned targets with some upside. I, just, I don't think the prices are worth it. Okay, next game, Bulls at Portland. There should be some value on the Bulls tomorrow. 
Uh, Lori Markkinen was ruled out. He's away from the team for personal reasons. Nicole Miritich's name has been brought up in trade rumors, and he's also questionable with a leg injury. If Miritich plays and he starts, then I think he's a really good play at 5,500. If he's out, then I think Bobby Portis is a really strong play at 5,900. Other guys on the Bulls, Zach Levine has been playing a little bit more minutes recently, but he's priced all the way up to 6,400 and playing in Portland. That's a tough matchup. So 27 minutes for him at 6,400 in a negative matchup I think is a little bit too much. I think Justin Holiday is in play at 5,000. The Bulls are likely going to be playing more small ball lineups tomorrow with uh, with no marketing and then possibly an injured Nikola Mirotic. I think they're going to end up playing a lot of um, a lot of Bobby Portis at center and then maybe like Justin Holiday at power forward even. And then maybe like Jerry and Grant, Zach Levine, Denzel Valentine lineups. I think probably either Bobby Portis or Nikola Mirotic, whichever one of them ends up starting, is the best play from the Bulls. From the Portland side of the game, let's see, what is their pricing at? We have Damian Lillard at 8900 CJ McCollum. I think there's just a lot of fair pricing, and I don't really particularly like anybody too much on Portland. I think you could use, like, a Lillard or Nurkic always has some upside, but a lot of downside, so you could use them in a GPP, but I don't think there's anybody here that's a terrific play. Yeah, I think it's just the Bulls side for me, too. I think it's either Miritich or Portis, like you said. I'm, I'm fine with Justin Holiday, regardless of the situation. Um, he's a little cheap, and the Bulls just don't have a lot of players right now. I think he's the most reasonably priced of all their guys. So I'd use him, even if Miritich is in or if Miritich is out. That probably does make Holiday a better play if there are just less guys on the Bulls and he has to play more minutes. Uh, for Portland, I guess maybe use some McCollum or some Lillard. Definitely not both together because I don't think this is a strong stack game. We're really just looking at two or three Chicago guys. And then Nurkic's price has gone up a little bit. I think he was in the... He's down. He's all the way at 6,000 now. Wasn't he down to the 5,000s recently? Oh, he actually... Just for for tonight, but for the most part, he's been mid-6,000s to high-6,000s. Yeah, I mean, Nurkic is someone I definitely like having in a few GPP lineups most nights that he's playing just because he is so highly volatile that... He might he might put up a dud, but he's as capable of putting up 40-plus fantasy points as basically anyone in his price range on almost any given night. And it's a good matchup against the Bulls, so I would use some Nurkic. But, um, yeah, he's not, he's not really close to my favorite player on the slate. I think the Portland side is uninteresting for the most part, like you said. But, yeah, Nurkic is worth considering. All right, final game on the slate is the Dallas Mavericks at the Phoenix Suns. For the Mavericks, J.J. Barea is... Still questionable to play. He's missed the last couple games with an oblique injury. I think the guys to target from Dallas are Dennis Smith Jr. and Harrison Barnes. And I don't really think anybody else is a great play. It is a strong matchup in Phoenix, but still I think Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr., those are the guys to target from Dallas. From the Phoenix side of the game, it's really hard to know who we're targeting because Alex Len, Marquise Chris, and Devin Booker are all currently questionable to play. Yeah, I think we just have to leave it as to be determined for Phoenix. And this is the last game of the night. Um, so maybe we should mention a little bit how to proceed if we don't have injury news. I think the most likely scenario for me if we don't have news before lock is just fade Phoenix. It's not a particularly good matchup in Dallas. Um, TJ Warren's up to 6,700. So I don't even know that I think he's that good of a play, even if Booker's out. Um, just checking Josh Jackson's price. 
up to 5,100 now. These Suns guys are really bad plays if the full team is healthy, and if there are guys out, they're probably only marginal values. So I think I'm staying away from Phoenix, and yeah, I think Dennis Smith Jr. even is a better play than you might be saying if J.J. Barea is out again. But I like him regardless, and yeah, Harrison Barnes, I think, has been a little bit underpriced for a while, so I'm just on the Dallas side, too. Okay, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBertDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And tomorrow we're going to be talking about all the goofy uh, Super Bowl slates that they're on DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah, get ready for some bingo. Yes, Trev. FanDuel bingo. <laughs>